0: Now, Raf, James. Have you used cryptocurrency for anything illicit? Guilty. Wow. Do you want to walk us through that?
1: Well, the first ever use of cryptocurrency that I ever did, and also this happened more than five years ago, so therefore you're not allowed to be arrested for it, I'm pretty sure.
0: Yep. No, that sounds right. Statute
1: of limitations. Correct, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm a lawyer. That's legal advice, so. Yep. And financial advice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I bought some Bitcoin in order to purchase some cocaine off the dark web. Okay. All right. And did you did you do anything to sort of cover your tracks? Unfortunately, I did not. You didn't. But if you knew that facility was available to you, might you have pursued it? I certainly would have. Because because we're talking about me buying Bitcoin for around 150 bucks per Bitcoin. This was many years ago. More than five, I, I think I recall <laughs> you saying. Subsequently, if I were to do the same thing, I would have done it using Monero, uh-huh. which is a, a more privacy focused cryptocurrency, which is much harder to trace. Right. However, if I were to use Bitcoin or Ethereum or the like, and uh, I didn't want it to be traced, I'd use a mixer or a tumbler. Why do you ask? Well, this is an ad read. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So today we are talking about a big move in the world of a cryptocurrency. The United States government sanctioned Tornado Cash, which is a very amusingly named crypto protocol, which is part of a, a genre of crypto tools called Crypto mixes. Sorry, I just said the word crypto about five times in that sentence, but... You know, it comes up a lot. So tell me what a crypto mixer is, Raph.
1: Well, I guess first we have to go back because people think that Bitcoin is anonymous, right? That was kind of part of the original selling point. Like Bitcoin's anonymous. It's like it's anonymous money. And it's true to the extent that anyone can start a wallet and have Bitcoin sent into that wallet. I can have a million dollars. I could start a wallet right now. And 30 seconds later, I can tell someone my wallet address. And then an hour or so later, I could have a million dollars worth of Bitcoin in there. And that wallet isn't, you know, I just started that wallet. Anyone could own that wallet. But the whole idea of the blockchain is that you can see that transaction. Everyone in the world can see that wallet A sent it to wallet B. That's right. It's one of the great
0: sort of tensions in the crypto ecosystem is the fact that it's both anonymized. You know, you can elude uh, censorship from by whatever your local authority happens to be. You can buy cocaine on the dark web. But also, it's not anonymous in the sense that the ledger is public. You look, there are Twitter accounts that like track interesting trades Mm. and just tweet them out when huge amounts of money get moved. And it's like kind of surreal if you scroll. I think it's it's called Crypto Whales on Twitter, Mm. Um, and it just shows you like basically 800 million dollars worth of Bitcoin was moved from this wallet to this wallet. Mm. And obviously, for the for the average person looking at that, you probably wouldn't have an idea what that was or who that was, but there are people now who make it their job. Uh, there are all sorts of uh, crypto auditing firms like Chain Analysis who basically sit there and try to work out which wallets belong to who and which trend, what tr- certain transactions were doing. Um, obviously, governments uh, are getting really involved in this now because obviously crypto gets used for all sorts of illicit transactions, buying cocaine on the dark web, for example. Although I don't think the Australian government is interested in that because, as you say, it was more than five years ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> So, these tools called crypto mixers basically are part of the toolkit to obscure uh, your tracks when you're mm-hmm. making transactions. Tornado Cash was basically the most popular. It works on the Ethereum blockchain. And the way it works is instead of, you know, if, if Rafa has a wallet and I'm trying to send him uh, $350 worth of Ethereum, it's just a random number I pulled out of a hat, and we wanted to sort of occlude that transaction, we didn't know. want people to know that I was sending it directly to Raf, and Raph didn't know want to know he was receiving it from me. Uh, You send it via the Tornado Cash protocol. And what that means is all your money gets put in kind of like this swirling pit. This is a metaphor. It's not really a swirling pit of other transactions that people have done. Mm. So it mixes them all up, hence the name Crypto Mixer. And then you get your $350 worth of Ethereum, but it's kind of pieced together Mm. from... All different sorts of transactions. So if someone was looking very closely, they might have seen that I sent $350 worth of Ethereum to, to Tornado Cash, and they would have seen that you received $350 worth, of thing, I guess, but there, there's no link between me and you.
1: Yeah, but also I can pull that $350 out in dribs and drabs as well. Correct. So it doesn't actually, they won't necessarily know that I've taken $350 That's right, yeah, exactly. To various wallets as well. So this is obviously very handy if, for example, you've just locked down an oil pipelines, all of their internal systems and said, hey, we're not going to unlock everything unless you send us $100 million worth of Bitcoin. That's right. You know,
0: this is the, the part where I say there are all sorts of reasons where you might want to hide your transactions. Uh, Like I say, everything is right there. And there are lots of really normal transactions that people make that you wouldn't want people to be able to sort of track through the system. Mm. Like for example, just off the top of my head, like you might be doing commercial work. There's not a huge amount of like legitimate commercial work <laughs> happening purely via cryptocurrency, but you know uh, it's possible. Mm. And you you might not want a, a rival firm to be tracking your wallets and seeing what you're doing. Yeah, the, one of the examples that came up is that people were using uh, Tornado Cash to donate crypto to Ukraine because the Ukrainian government set up crypto wallets to mm. receive donations, and people. People that might be in Russia or might be in uh, Belarus or whatever didn't want to know they're donating money to you Yeah, the same is true for Palestine. Yep. So there's all, all sorts of legitimate reasons, but also, yes, there are- But they are probably <laughs> hmm, a fraction of percent
1: of what these things are used for, let's be honest.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure. Basically, yeah. So the, the US Treasury came out and said that they were sanctioning Tornado Cash, which uh, is not the first time that like a crypto company has been sanctioned by a US government body or pursued by a US government body, but it is- really interesting in the sense that Tornado Cash isn't a, you know, it's not sitting on a server running in the basement of like- Of a business. Or even like a warehouse in Romania or something. Mm. It's not like in one location. It lives on the Ethereum blockchain. It's decentralized. Mm. They're smart contracts. It's a bit of code that lives on the blockchain that says, if this happens, do that basic sort of programming block. But it's not running on a server. It's kind of, it's running on everyone's computer. Mm that is using Ethereum. The only way to get rid of it is to actually destroy the Ethereum network. Mm. So it's in a really interesting position where the U.S. government has basically made a, a piece of code that's not doesn't necessarily exist somewhere specific illegal. And basically this shows how challenging it is for authorities to sort of crack down on the new crypto ecosystem.
1: And so in response to it, a bunch of businesses, especially businesses in the kind of crypto space, Stopped allowing wallets associated with Tornado Cash to send Ethereum or Bitcoin or whatever tokens to them. I mean, it doesn't accept Bitcoin, does it? It's like it's it's purely Ethereum. Ethereum. So Ethereum-based tokens, ERC-20 tokens. Now, the interesting thing, and I think the funny thing is, that shows your point, as you were saying earlier, you can start to tie wallet addresses to individuals. So, for example... Vitalik who's the who created Ethereum? People know what his wallet address is. A bunch of kind of celebrities, people have worked out who their wallet is and, and some celebrities are quite popular and and well-known people yep. are, are like popular like they're happy to let people know what their Also you wallet can also
0: uh, if people haven't seen it before, you can actually register kind of a domain name on Ethereum. So yep. rather than having your wallet address be a long string of like random characters, you can reserve a .eth username.eth. You've probably seen those around on social media. Chris Dixon.
1: So cdixon.eth is like a famous like pro crypto guy. And a lot
0: of celebrities have it. Like I'm pretty sure like Paris Hilton has a eth.
1: Like Jimmy Fallon has a Jimmy Fallon.eth. So immediately what someone started doing was sending 0.1 Ethereum to all of these famous celebrities wallets through Tornado Cash, meaning they're breaching sanctions. Now it's- it's not them. Well, we don't know. That's the thing. Yeah. It's quite obviously not them sending zero point one ETH to this wallet. <laughs> it's someone trolling. As a joke, yeah. But they are still breaching. They can't prove that they're not. It, yeah, because as
0: I said, with it sort of living up in the in the cloud and not being able to attack the actual code itself, all they can sort of do is they can prosecute actual companies that are sort of interfacing with Tornado Cash. Mm. So all companies that are sort of have a public face have stepped away from interacting with it, mm. or they can target people who have received money through Tornado Cash. Because you although you can't see who sent it, you can see that it came from a Tornado Cash wallet. Mm. So yeah, and here's the other thing about crypto that you may or may not be aware of. You can't stop someone sending you crypto. Mm. And this is one of the things which, you know, advocates will say is part of this transparent, wonderful, non-censorable system. Mm. Nobody can stop anything from getting from point A to point B, but Detractors will say that you literally can't stop people sending you anything under any circumstance. Like someone can make like an NFT of like a dick pic yeah. and send it to your
1: Ethereum wallet and there's not a whole lot you can do about that. Yeah, and also this is used a bunch by kind of scam coins and whatnot to be like, look, like Vitalik has $100 worth of our new our new token because like he believes in it so much and it's like, well, you know, anyone can send him exactly anything. Exactly. Like this kind of shows- I don't actually know what the government can really do here. Uh, And I I do think it makes a difference to a certain extent, like putting a sanction on this. Sure, they're not going to be able to prosecute anyone, basically, who receives money from it, unless they can prove that they're doing it illicitly. But it still kind of puts the brakes to a certain extent on people trying to commercialise these ventures. Yeah, totally. So yeah, they've arrested a guy. A lot of the
0: public facing websites you would use to interact with the Tornado Cash protocol have been taken down. Mm. So if you actually want to use it now, you've got to have a bit of technical know-how because all of the interfaces have kind of gone away. Mm. You can still do it. Mm. Um, and if you're really committed, you can absolutely can figure it out. Um, but that will knock off probably the vast majority of average users who just heard this was a thing. Mm. So on the one hand, they, they have kind of cracked down on it. And
1: obviously, yeah, they, they can arrest the people who, who made it. But it does show a massive weakness of the law, right? Because, look, if it is illegal to interface or to effectively receive proceeds from Tornado Cash, but we know they're not going to prosecute people because it's yeah, their case would be way too flimsy, it's using, you know, it's putting a square peg in a round hole or whatever, right? Like it's like they're using a kind of blunt instrument in the, in the law that was made for- Dealing with businesses that just doesn't really apply in this circumstance. It still serves a purpose and helps, but like, that's not really what the law is, how it's supposed to be made, right? Like, uh, we're not going to really prosecute it, but we just know that it'll make it hard for people to- Uh, But honestly, maybe it is a bit of that um, because I think- I don't think they're
0: actually going to prosecute people who are sending Hmm. a ETH or whatever. Sorry, actually, a hundred eighth is a lot of money. (laughs) There's like a small amounts of- Ethereum through through Tornado Cash, receiving small amounts. I doubt these people are going to get hauled up in front of no. US Federal Court. What they want to stop is big organisations, organised crime using it. So the one that they kind of led their announcement with, they basically they said that $7.6 billion of money had been laundered through Tornado Cash. Mm. But then it was kind of revealed with a bit more reporting that $7.6 billion is not quite right. That's the amount of money that's gone through it. full stop. Mm. So there are definitely people using it for legitimate reasons or you know, quasi legitimate reasons. And one chain analysis firm said the number that was actually sort of stolen funds being laundered was probably closer to like 1.6, 1.7 billion of that, which is still huge. And as a percentage, mm. quite large. But the the example they used kind of right at the top of the the treasury announcement was that North Korean hacker group called mm. Lazarus Group- it's cool. It's a banger name for a, for a group, yeah. In my opinion, which has been associated with like North Korea's state stole a bunch of money from Axie Infinity, mm. which was a is a crypto game, play to earn, yeah, like an NFT crypto game. They stole hundreds of millions of dollars from that and um, passed at least some of it through Tornado Cash. So I think like those are the sort of things that maybe they actually
1: want to stop. I don't think this will stop that though. Like the North no. Korean, like Lazarus, will know how to wash. Absolutely,
0: things. yeah. I think I think you're probably right, but it does go to show. Um, As I said sort of at the head of the episode, how challenging it's going to be when there's literally just like code that's out there. Mm. You can't destroy Ethereum now because it's executing across so many computers. Mm. There's just like code floating out there that people can interact with and governments are trying to kind of like stop it. They can't go into a server room and start busting up computers with crowbars or whatever. There's not a whole lot they can do other than try to like find the ways that it interacts with people. Mm. And because we're still so early in the game, I wonder – where this goes from now, I feel like, you know, already it feels like it's slipping out of their grasp a little bit.
1: Oh, certainly. I mean, I think it is completely out of their grasp. And as I said, the current laws are just not made for this. No. Because the other thing is it's so hard to write laws around code, for one. Yeah. Like, in particular, let alone decentralized code. And while I look,
0: there's the question, like, even putting aside how you enforce it, obviously a lot of people in the crypto ecosystem are, like, really up in arms about this. Mm. And, you know, one of the things they say, which, like, I have a lot of sympathy for, is, like, how can you make a piece of code, which in itself isn't exclusively used for something illegal, making, like, a piece of code illegal. And people wonder, like, does it have, like, free speech
1: implications? You know, code is kind of speech. It's a language. It's how you express something. Yeah, see, I don't buy this argument at all. We do it all the time with businesses, like, businesses that are basically, you know, for tracking um, mobile phones, for example, that people use for, like, spousal abuse, basically. Like, they put malware on a phone and track them. And we say, like, I mean, that has legitimate... Uses You could put it on your kid's phone because like they're under 18 and you actually want to know that they're safe going home from school. But like that company still gets shut down and it's the person arrested for what it enables. Like every piece of hacking software has a legitimate use case. But if I guess a reasonable judge deems that for the most part, society would be better off without it then I I don't really get that whole, but there is like one or two use cases that are legitimate. And I feel like we do that all the time. As you say, I think the tougher thing is like sanctioning a piece of code that's floating around on the internet. And as I was attempting to maybe clumsily point out, like actually prosecuting the law as it stands means that you do at at the very least have to drag these people who've received ETH from Tornado Cash and investigate them all, which is not feasible whatsoever. And they are at this point breaking the law. So like the law's just bad it's not made for decentralized code i think you can legislate against code and yeah freedom of speech please like <laughs> it'll also take very sophisticated lawmakers yeah which obviously would obviously not yeah. legislating right now no
0: um what are some great alternatives then for the listener <laughs> there's, a, there's a handful of them i can't remember off the top of my head actually um because i'm obviously a straight shooter
1: yeah um always yeah, we can just see every transaction on, on the blockchain for you. That's right. You, there's, no, there's nothing untoward there. Yeah, you just spend eight hours a day on Axie Infinity. That's correct. Yeah. I'm, I'm grinding.